Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today on the show, we're talking about the new Ryan Johnson film, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, which of course is a sequel to the 2019 hit, Knives Out. The film stars Daniel Craig alongside a huge cast of new characters, a new setting, and a new mystery. Returning to the show is film critic and murder mystery aficionado, Jordan Woodson. Don't go anywhere. Before we get into the show, don't forget Art House Garage has a Patreon. Sign up today for extended episodes, bonus episodes, video episodes, and ad-free episodes. All that, plus a discount on merch in the Art House Garage shop. Go to patreon.com slash arthousegarage today or find a link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. Welcome to Art House Garage. Back in 2019, filmmaker Ryan Johnson defied the odds by creating a huge hit at the box office out of an original story, not part of any franchise or based on any intellectual property. The film Knives Out was loved by critics and audiences and starred Daniel Craig, as the Southern gentleman detective Benoit Blanc, alongside an eclectic and star-studded cast. Since then, there was a bidding war for the sequels, which Netflix won and paid a ton of money for, and our first sequel is here. Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, again stars Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, solving a new mystery with an even more star-studded cast, which includes Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, Catherine Hahn, Leslie Odom Jr., Madeline Klein, and Jessica Henwick. The film is playing one week in theaters before hitting Netflix on December 23rd. My guest today is Jordan Woodson, film critic for The Log Cabin Democrat and a huge fan of murder mysteries. When I first invited him to be on the podcast months ago, he said he'd like to talk about Knives Out too. So here we are. We keep this conversation spoiler-free for the first two-thirds or so, and then we do give a spoiler warning before we talk about any of the film's surprises. Okay, let's get on with it. Here is my conversation with Jordan Woodson about the new film, Glass Onion. Welcome back to the podcast, Jordan Woodson. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing really well. Yeah, and good to have you back on. You were here for um, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Is that the only other time you've been on the show? Yeah, it's the only other time. Okay, I've seen you in person recently a few times, so I was getting mixed up. Um, but I thought you'd been on more than that. But yeah, you, I mean, you're becoming kind of the their murder mystery uh, go-to person for, for me. And uh, our mutual friend, Philip Price, had you on for, for this film, too, actually, uh, that we're going to talk about, Glass Onion. I guess I'll be here uh, for the other uh, Kenneth Branagh movie. Yes, and that's something that I need to get caught up on. I know that people have really mixed reactions to those, but I generally like the the vibe of you know Agatha Christie kind of thing. So I need to catch up on those and have you back for the next one that comes out, uh, which they've announced, right? And their third one. Uh, yeah, it's supposed to come out September, I think. Okay, yeah, it's coming up quick. Wow. Well, a year from now, I guess. But uh, well, cool. Before we talk about Glass Onion, I thought we might. Uh, just talk about a few more things, you know, kind of anything else you've been watching recently that you want to put on our radar. So, yeah, what have you been watching lately? Uh, I watched Devotion yesterday oh, with cool, yeah. uh, Jonathan Majors, 
which yes. it kind of has the unfortunate uh, situation of being a Navy pilot movie released in the same year as Top Gun Maverick. But, yeah, with one I of the same actors too, right? Yeah, it has uh, Glenn Powell in it in yeah. a bigger role this time. But yeah, it's a lot of similarities there, but not quite as good as Top Gun Maverick, but it's also its own thing, definitely more emotional and character-driven mm. and based on a real event. So Yeah, it's like a historical thing. Yeah, yeah, it's been one I've wanted to see. I haven't made time for it just yet, uh, but that's something that, that it's definitely almost anything with Jonathan Majors at this point is something yeah. I want to check out. Um, yeah, let's see. I have a few things and, and we can go back and forth maybe. Uh, so yeah, so I've talked on the podcast before about having a film critics association. We vote soon. And so I, I've been watching lots of things trying to kind of get ready for that. Uh, so I'll mention, let's see, one that I've been wanting to see for a while that I finally caught up with is called Emily the Criminal. And that uh, stars Aubrey Plaza. Have you seen it? I saw it Sundance. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. I was really impressed by it. You know, it's, it's kind of like, um, I think the main reason to watch it is for her performance. I'm a big fan of yeah, Aubrey definitely. Plaza. It's uh, directed by John Patton Ford. Uh, and it's kind of like, uh, there's moments that I thought about the film Drive, which it's it's not nearly as stylistic or like moody as that is, but it's, you know, a person committing crimes and there's sort of tension built into some of the scenes that uh, remind me of that film a little bit. But it, you know, it's kind of, a, it's also, you know, I think Breaking Bad sort of, there was a bit trend for a while of, a regular person getting into a criminal organization and it's, it's definitely part of that kind of feeling as well but she's uh you know has a lot of debt and uh can't find a job because of her criminal record she has like a, a dui or something uh, some pretty you know uh innocuous things on her record but it makes it hard to get hired and uh so then she finds out about a, a fraud scheme and and gets involved but yeah she Aubrey Plaza is doing a little bit of a, like a Jersey accent and um it's just a little bit different from anything I've seen her do before and I really liked it although I did watch um I, I watched it earlier this year but it's a couple years old uh Black Bear with her in it and she's really amazing in that as well uh and very different and that one's more like um I don't, have you seen Black Bear yeah I saw it's it kind of hard to describe yeah <laughs> it's kind of hard to describe but I that one reminded me of like um almost like Jenna Rollins in like uh, uh, woman under the influence, the kind of manic unhealthy, at least for part of it. Cause that film does a lot of different things, but anyway, big fan of Robbie Plaza. And that's uh, one that, that I thought was uh, really good recently. While yeah. we're talking about murder mysteries on here, there's a yeah. uh, very, I think it's like 2008. It came out. It also has, um, Oh, I'm forgetting his name. Charles Gambino in it. It's ah, yes, uh, uh, Donald Glover. Yeah. Donald Glover. Yeah. Uh, I'm now I'm blanking on names. A mystery. It's very like kind of a hidden gem type of thing, but it's very funny type. With of Aubrey mystery. Plaza as well. Yeah. I'm gonna look. It up. Oh, is it called Mystery Team? Yes, that's it. Yes, I've seen that film. Yeah, it is very funny, very silly sort of a comedy. Um, I think that's the one. Where is I'm looking at his list and I can't find mystery team. Yeah, yeah. So the, I think so. Way back, Donald Glover was in a YouTube sketch comedy thing that I used to watch in college called Derek Comedy, and Mystery Team is like their feature film. Like I think maybe one of the last things they did together. Uh, but yeah, it's really funny. I really like it a lot. Yeah, Aubrey Plaza. I forgot she's in there. That's great, and it's a nice, a nice murder mystery too, or mystery. I can't remember if there's murder involved. Maybe there is, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, this murder thing. Yeah, somebody. 
I couldn't. I remember there's a. I could have thought it was a heist thing, maybe, but yeah, I haven't watched it since what 2008. I, so I saw it a few a months time. ago. So that's. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, anything else you've been watching? You want to put in our radar? Uh, not a film, but uh, a few days ago I binge watched the Wednesday Adam series on Netflix with Jenna. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, it was good. It's fun. It's a bit predictable, kind of like it's a mm. also a murder mystery type of thing. There's a creature that's killing people around the school that runs mm-hmm. Wednesday Adams attends. And I kind of solved everything halfway through the series. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. but it's fun. <laughs> that's an interesting question about when we talk about glass onion, I'll, I'll ask you how well you predicted anything. Um, but yeah, I've, I've been interested. I really like Jenny Ortega and uh, I, I didn't ha- like watch the Adams family growing up. So I don't have like a ton of love for that world, but I'm interested enough that I, I think I might check that out. Um, let's see if I have one more thing I can bring up, or we can do a couple more if you have more things. Uh, oh, today I watched a documentary that I will recommend called Retrograde, and it is a. Uh, I'm not like that into like war documentaries, so I, I. But I watched this based on the director, interest in the director who's Matthew Heineman, who's made a handful of kind of uh, movies you might have heard of. Cartel Land was a documentary he made. A Private War was a narrative film that he made. Uh, last year, I watched his film about COVID called The First Wave, which is like in the, it's in, I think it's in New York City. It's in a hospital following some of the nurses going through like the worst. And, and it was, I watched it last year. So it was like the height of COVID was over, but like this film took place like pre-vaccine and everything. And so it's like the the worst, most stressful time. Uh, and so that film is so incredibly like emotional and stressful um but but so and i really liked it but this year he has a new one called um retrograde which is about uh the war in afghanistan and it kind of so and it was like a good refresher on the history of this but like 20 year old long war and then uh that start was started by george w bush and obviously passed through so many presidents joe biden finally last year in may 2021 it's like we're gonna get all the troops out and then but it shows like the reactions of the people that were still there. It's incredible access to uh, soldiers on the ground there. And again, I'm not like not into movies like this, you know, but, but it was, I found it so moving and so well done and just the access to um, the people that he had, but it mostly follows the Afghani uh, army who it's like, what are we going to do? How are we going to deal with this now that the Americans are leaving? Because it left a huge vacuum. And if you follow the history or like the news for the last couple of years, the Taliban ended up taking over the country in um, what August or September last year. So it, it, it's a whole big problem. And, and this, it, the film is really sort of an indictment on maybe not just Joe Biden's white house, but like just how all the white houses have, have handled this situation. But it, yeah, it's just, you see the human toll in a way that um, is really intense and very emotional. And uh, I'm really bringing this conversation down by talking about this movie, but it's really, really good. I think it's going to be um, streaming uh, in just a couple weeks here on, I think on Disney Plus, it's a National Geographic one. So that is retrograde and I recommend it. Yeah. Uh, anything else or do you want to get into Glass Onion? Uh, I guess I'll give a quick shout out to the menu, which is sure. super fun. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I saw that as well. Yeah, uh, I was I I had seen the trailer a million times and I was kind of like sick of hearing about it. I was like, I'll go see this though, and I really liked it a lot. I, w- I was very pleasantly surprised. Another one of those so, yes. rich people suck movies from this year. <laughs> yeah, eat the rich kind of thing. Ray finds is 
fantastic in it as he always is uh but then anya taylor joy is really great too i thought uh just a lot of a lot of surprises not what you think so yeah again i would seen the trailer a million times so i kind of thought i knew what we were getting but there's a lot of good surprises in there yeah. so yes i also recommend the menu well cool all right with that let's move on into today's film glass onion colon a knives out mystery Disruptors have assembled. Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt. I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi. Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, Will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. Well, this is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? <laughs> Alibari. Uh, that has a kick. Oh my God, what happened? <laughs> Holy shit! Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. Before we talk about that film, actually, I want to talk about just Ryan Johnson, the director. How many of his films have you seen? Are you generally a fan of his? Uh, I've seen all of his films, even uh, his Star Wars films, the only Star Wars film I've actually ever seen. That's just because really someone took me to see it when it came out, and... <laughs> I was confused the entire time, but yeah, so I've seen all of his movies and I like all the ones I understood what was happening when I saw them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, agree. I'm sorry. I'm so stuck with the fact. So you haven't seen the original Star Wars trilogy. Okay, Is that true? <laughs> yes. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Art. Don't shoot <laughs> sorry. me. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. No, I have so many movies like that. that are like, you've never seen whatever. And like, how long have you been doing a movie podcast? And you've never seen. Don't so, kick me off. No the judgment. <laughs> no judgment at all. Uh, but you should watch them. They're good. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think of as far as the new Star Wars things, his is by far my favorite thing. Um, I, I watched Brick back in college just because I heard it was cool. I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then uh, then I end up seeing uh, The Brothers Bloom, which I love. And then uh, Looper, I saw in the theater. I don't actually, I remember liking it, but I haven't thought much about it since I watched it. Um, but then I loved the first Knives Out. And uh, yeah, and he's worked on uh, Breaking Bad and uh, his new show Poker Face is coming soon that I'm, I bet you're excited about. Maybe yeah. we'll talk about that a little more, like murder mystery show. Um, well, cool. Yeah, he's, he's a filmmaker that I definitely have kind of watched over the years. And, and I was so glad when Knives Out hit so big because it, it's like a not not based on any ip it's an original thing and, and ended up you know doing really really well and uh, so then i was glad that the, it was almost i think i think there was like a bidding war to get the sequels and, and netflix paid a, a bunch of money to to get this one so yes big fan feel, of ryan johnson yeah go ahead feel a bit bad for lionsgate with this bidding war but you know mm. i don't know if we would have gotten the movie that we got now if netflix didn't give yeah. ryan johnson all the money in the world 
Yes, it definitely feels like a much bigger budget movie, which is something I, I would definitely want to get into as well. Uh, well, yeah, so let's talk about So I know you love a murder mystery in general. We've talked about that. Um, I saw on your Twitter that this film is inspired by a classic film or at least an older film. I wonder if you could tell us more about that connection. What is that film and, and what it's about? Yeah, it's uh, it's called The Last of Sheila's from 1973, I want to say. Uh, directed by Herbert Ross, co-written by Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins. Hmm. So, uh, and it's kind of just a Hollywood producer invites all of his rich friends in Hollywood to a yacht to play a mystery game, and then people start dying. Yeah. Hmm. It's a really good movie. Ryan Johnson, the entire Knives Out press tour, just kept like, recommending that in like almost every interview he was in and he he's doing it again now with and kind of like the whole mystery game type of thing definitely playing here and johnson Mm -hmm. even said that kate hudson's character is inspired by a character Mm -hmm. in the movie so definitely a lot of inspiration from that in here so you're saying in the first knives out press tour he recommended the last of Sheila, which is almost like a, a clue as to what he was going to do next. So, but, and then now he's recommending another film. What's the, what's the new one? No, he's recommended. He's still recommending last of Sheila. And oh, he's still recommending. Okay. Okay. I thought you meant he was like, he was like poking some other movie out. That's kind of like, okay, this is knives out three secret. secret. Well, he's talked a lot about um, death on the Nile. So maybe that's going to be. Yeah. Could be. Uh, but yeah, that, that sounds like exactly the setup of Last of Sheila, or very similar, you know, with the yacht and everything that we have in this film. Let's go. Cool. Well, I know that Glass Onion is one that you were really looking forward to. Did this live up to your hopes and dreams? <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like I had, like, I, when I was scared, I was having unrealistically high expectations for it. And <laughs> yeah. I had a fear, like, oh, is this going to disappoint me? Is this even going to make my top 10 of the year? And then Somehow it actually surpassed my own expectations. I don't know how, wow. but I never right. thought it would. I would like this more than the original, and I somehow did. That is great to hear, and I think, yeah, it's. We'll get into it. So I have a I have a few quibbles with it. As far as my answer to that question, I really like it. I think it's a very good movie. I think I still like the original better. The reasons for that I can't talk about until we get into spoilers, so, so we'll have to hold that. Um, and again, they're they're fairly minor things. I just and I can't talk about the details. Okay, we'll get into it in a minute. But um, but yeah, I I generally was very impressed with this. You can tell, like talking about the budget, you can tell a lot more money was put into it. Like the sets are very elaborate. The, uh, the I mean, obviously the, the cast is huge. I mean, the cast of the first one is incredible as well. But then when they just kept announcing more and more actors in this, um, I was like, oh my gosh, the Netflix money is going to work here. Um, what Before we talk about because this is a movie that's, I, we should have talked off air about exactly what we not, don't want to spoil. But even like the structure of the movie, we can maybe hold as a secret because that there's some surprises with that. Um, so in a non-spoiler discussion of this film, what do you appreciate about it? Uh, I really like how it, I mean, this one is, I think, much more unpredictable, in my opinion, than the last one, because, mm-hmm. I mean, spo- spoilers for Knives Out, no one's seen Knives Out, which, yeah. I mean, I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't, but <laughs> even though I think I love that, that movie so much, one, my favorite movie of that year, uh, I mean, it was a little bit obvious that Chris Evans was the, not, mm-hmm. not really murderer, but the one responsible. And this yeah. one, I 
never figured it out and uh it really just kind of shocked me the entire time yeah even yeah. more so I than agree. Knives Out did. Mm-hmm. yeah i heard someone saying it's funny i i, I almost don't even but like thinking about like bodies 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 that we watched earlier this year and talked about I I feel like I don't go into a murder mystery like trying to figure it out. Maybe I like want to be surprised, but, but like I I think even if I had tried to, I would not have guessed where this one was going. I've heard a few people say, "Oh, I knew I could see what, what was going to happen," or who like at least the the person who is you know the the villainous uh, character. But, um, but yeah, for me it was full of surprises. Not only in you know who's who done it, but also uh, a lot of things along the way were were nice surprises um i think we can talk about without getting to spoilers I mean, I, there's so in the first knives out there's some nice uh political you know uh satire and and kind of some some pointed there's i i, I think i was surprised in that film because there's direct mention i think they even say trump's name at one point i'm trying to remember but there's definitely like a political discussion that feels like very relevant to today but or especially then uh which was 2019 but um this one is a lot you you talked about like rich people suck it's kind of a, a vibe that is really common in films right now and this is definitely i think that's a theme here that and i think it's explored in a way that's clever and not just let's watch rich people be miserable kind of thing which uh i'm thinking about triangle of sadness when i say that <laughs> i really like triangle of sadness i know you didn't like it as much but uh th- that in that film they they kind of just want you to find pleasure in other people's pain whereas this i think there are some really creative um and clever and kind of witty ways that it uh makes some different points which again would be spoilers to talk about too too much but um yeah i like that about it i think we can maybe talk about performances without and i was going to bring this up later but we can talk about that now do you have a favorite performer in the film i mean janelle monet is terrific in this yeah I mean, she kind of fills the role of, like, if Ryan Johnson has, like, a mold of between Knives Out and Glass Onion, she kind of in the Honor the Armas character type. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she kind of plays that really well. And really, it's kind of a complex performance to play, more so than any other character in the film. Yeah, absolutely. She does her, her role she has to do a lot as an actor and she does it all really really well um looking over the rest of the cast i think edward norton is really good as well um it's sort of a and a lot of people have made comparisons to like elon musk type of a billionaire who uh, is a little bit bumbling but um he's a lot of fun i think uh and then actually really love kate hudson as well which um i don't know why that surprises me i just i haven't seen a ton of kate hudson movies recently i guess but uh I thought she was really, really good. Uh, she's sort of a, an influencer. Um, I guess, yeah, just an influencer who's really obnoxious, but she's very funny. There's a joke involving sweatpants really well. that is hilarious. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so let's see. Yeah, those would be my favorites. But yeah, Janelle Monáe, I think, is the, the MVP. What did you think about uh, Daniel Craig's reprising the character? Did it feel, you know, of a piece of the first and, and work well for you? Yeah, I think he kind of just takes it a bit further. I think he's... He gets more to do in this, I think he did in the first film, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So I think he expands upon the character while still keeping it the same character from the first one. Yeah, I agree, and we we learned a bit more about him uh, as well, in, in a way that I won't talk about until we get into spoilers. But um, 
but yeah, I thought he did a good job. It, it was almost, I, th- I saw some interview where he talked about it was challenging to get back into the, the accent and the character and stuff. Um, and it, it was interesting kind of, I, so I've seen the first one. I saw it twice when it came out in the theater and then I watched it again, like a week before I watched this one. Uh, and it was almost jarring to, cause now I've seen him in that role doing the same, you know, multiple times in that, in that film, seeing him do something new. It's almost a little bit, um, jarring to, to say, Oh, what's been my block doing? Why is he doing something different? But, uh, but yeah, I think it, it definitely works and, and he's very funny. Uh, I, one of my favorite things is it isn't really like a joke. He just has, um, a really great like bathing costume. Like it's like a swimsuit, but it's like a full body thing. And he just comes out and he looks so, uh, it's, almost, it's kind of very proper in a way, like Southern gentleman kind of a thing that, that just really made me laugh. Uh, so lots of things like that. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought he was great in this as well. Well, anything else non-spoilery before we get into spoiler talk? I mean, going back to the, uh, politics stuff, I think, yeah, yeah. What I like about Ryan Johnson's take on politics writing in his films is he kind of like goes after both sides a bit. He doesn't necessarily like mm. attack one side. Mm-hmm. Like in the first one, he uh, kind of sh- shows the ignorance of the right, but also the hypocrisy of the left mm-hmm. with yeah. um, uh, that. And then this one, I think he kind of does the same because like uh, you got Dave Bautista's character who is kind of like the uh, Andrew Tate type of influencer. Mm-hmm, and then you have mm-hmm. Catherine Hahn, who is uh, a politician running for, I think, was yeah. it Senate or governor? And uh, I think it was Senate. Yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, she kind of has a little bit of the hypocrisy that uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of from that first film into this one as well. Yeah, and absolutely. That's totally true. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Johnson talks a lot about how uh, with Agatha, Agatha, yeah, sorry, when Agatha, <laughs> Agatha Christie writes her, um, her stories, she always says it in the modern times of when she's writing it and revolving mm-hmm. around what's happening in the world as she's writing it. And I guess Johnson's kind of doing the same here and kind of like even like ahead of time. He wrote this in 2020, filmed in 2021, and like this film's coming out at a very specific time where things mm-hmm. in the movie are kind of very relevant right now. Yeah. Involving yeah, Edward yeah, absolutely. character. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's again, something that once you watch the movie, you'll understand that a bit more, but it's, it definitely feels incredibly timely in ways that he couldn't have even predicted. And in some other ways that we'll probably talk about in a minute as well. But yeah, in that first Knives Out, I was looking back but to remember, uh, but yeah, Tony Collette's character, I think in particular, all of them kind of, you get the sense they give lip service in a way to like liberal ideas, but they're, uh, quite vapid in some cases in Tony Collette's character's case. But then I think to um, uh, the, he's like the son. I'm trying to remember the actor's name right now. I'm blanking on the name of Michael Shannon, who, uh, you know, they're, Oh, we want to take care of this, you know, this foreign woman and an armist who's taking care of our uh, grandfather. But then, you know, when pushed, he, he like threatens her mother's uh, green card situation and all of that. And, and yeah, it's like you, talk a big game about being you know open and and accepting and and here you are being the worst um yes well yeah all right i think i think i'm ready for spoilers if you are okay okay do not listen further if you have not seen glass onion we are about to spoil everything um okay final spoiler warning one of the things that i liked about this were the cameos with a lot of fun surprises um 
And so I thought we might kind of list them because I was like, there's more than I remembered when I looked back at IMDb. But like, I, I mean, most incredibly is the Zoom call at the beginning. So he's in the bathtub on Zoom with Angela Lansbury, who the, the late Angela Lansbury, the late Stephen Sondheim, who, of course, as you just talked about, the film was very inspired by one of his films. Uh, and then Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is on that call as well. And then uh, Natasha Lyonne, who, of course, is also starring in Ryan Johnson's upcoming uh, murder mystery tv show so a lot that that just seeing that image on the screen for a second is like oh my gosh two of these people are no longer with us and are you know giants uh, I, the, I saw a tweet that was like yeah. uh steven sondheim angela lansbury's last film was with ryan johnson christopher Plummer's last film was with ryan johnson oh my um, God, wow. carrie fisher's last film was with ryan johnson oh so he is just what killing right <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's in a way it's like what what better final film to have than something that, you know, someone who cares so much about cinema and is is obviously like uh a very good director. But yeah, at some point who's the problem here? Is Ryan Johnson the problem? Um wow. But I really yeah. like those Zoom, that Zoom call cameo cameos in specific cuz you have Stephen Sondheim who wrote The Last of Sheila. You have Angela Lansbury mm-hmm. from Murder, She Wrote, and she was in the 1978 Death on the Nile. Then you have Natasha mm, Leone, right. who's going to be a detective, and Brian Johnson's. And then you have Queen, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I'm not really sure his connection, but... <laughs> yeah, he seems like the odd man out. But then in the sports world, we also later have uh, Serena Williams in a really funny little cameo. And it's her moment is, is very much like a rich people have way too much money kind of a thing where it's like a poster of her and then she starts talking it's like i'm on the clock do you guys want to work out yeah, your money so and then the one that i forgot about until i looked at the list like oh yeah ethan hawk pops up and i was like is that ethan hawk <laughs> and his role is really small but he also he like apparently has a covid vaccine before anyone else or whatever he's just shooting things in their mouths like, you're good what a, it was such a funny and weird uh little joke but i thought it was really good um and then Apparently I think finally, he, maybe, maybe he shot that or, like immediately after Moon Knight or something. Oh, interesting. You can just uh, hop right over. Okay, yeah, because where was that? I wonder where Moon Knight was shot because it must have been. Was it Egypt? Somewhere. Did they actually shoot it on location in Egypt? Some, of, the, some of that was some, yeah. And this was in Greece, right? So not terribly far. Uh, hop over the Mediterranean. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of the other cameo surprises was Hugh Grant, which was so funny and also you know clues us in in that moment to uh, a big part of Benoit Blanc's character and is that he's gay which they've talked about in the press and stuff too um but that you know kind of makes it canon I guess is when Hugh Grant pops in and you hear his voice at the beginning I think like are you still in the bath and you don't know who it is and then you see his face and it's like oh my gosh Hugh Grant so that was a really fun cameo as well so all of those I thought more were, than just a one-time yeah. cameo and we get more of him in Night yeah Three. I completely agree uh I'm loving Hugh Grant's, you know, late in life kind of, I mean, he's always done all kinds of things, but like Paddington too, I'm thinking about is such a funny role. Uh, and then he's done some kind of darker things to uh, that HBO show. I can't remember. Um, but guessing is sort of a, a darker thing from him. And just this, this phase of his career, he seems like he's having a lot of fun. Uh, and this was a, a cool little moment with him, but uh what other spoilery things do we want to talk about i mean there's i mean, I mean there's two anything. other cameos they're kind of ryan oh, johnson's staples yeah, yeah. so you have noah segan as daryl that's right that's right and you have joseph uh, which, Gordon which character Mitter. is daryl again daryl's the guy that's uh 
He's going through the stuff, but guy. he's not. He's not. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like around. Yeah, that's he, right. He, all, Who, he also and, played and, the cop in the first time, so yes, the white cop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have that's, Joseph Gordon-Levitt right. as the Gong. Yeah, that was so funny. I think I just saw a tweet after I had watched it, and it was like someone was like, "Once you I realized what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's role is, I died." Because yeah, he so that the whole bit is that Edward Norton has every and they, what's it called the hourly dong. I think it's just like a loud noise happens, uh, like a like a chime kind of thing on this island. Uh, but then the joke he says in the film is, uh, "I had I had Phil Phil Glass Philip Glass uh, directed or composed that for me." It's like this half second thing and. Also, it's Joseph Gordon-Levitt's voice saying dong in a really funny way. Yes. So There's good. also Dave so Bautista's mother. Oh, I didn't realize that. No, this character's mother. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you meant like his actual no. mother was in the film. I don't know. Um, that is Jackie Hoffman, who's there, and she's like solving the the puzzle box at the beginning. Yeah, she's really funny as well. I've seen her in some other stuff. I'm trying to remember. She was in, I don't oh, know if you saw in. Only Murders in the Building, but she was in that. Uh, I've seen some of it, but not all of it. Um, she's in Garden State and Birdman. I'm looking at her, uh, her IMDb now. Shiva Baby. Oh yeah, yeah she's really funny in that movie. Um, so yeah, she's in lots of things. Any other cameos I forgot about? Think I, I that's forgot all? about the uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt one. Um, well, one of the things that I really like about this movie that it's not. It's, not really a spoiler, but it kind of is just the structure of it. Uh, like somebody told me that it jumps around in time, which I guess the first one does too. Now that I think about it, because we, we kind of see things play out and then we go back and see what really happened with Honor de Armas and, and Christopher Plummer. And uh, this film has the whole, the whole thing with Janelle Monet's character, I think is, is a really well done reveal where um, essentially she, she's a twin. We didn't know that. And so the character we've been around this whole time is the twin and whose sister is deceased at this point, the person that we thought it was. And um, then we, we also see like Janelle Monae's, uh, the, sorry, they're both Janelle Monae, <laughs> the, the <laughs> twin who <laughs> who is more Southern. She has a different accent and her, her kind of nervousness at portraying her own sister. Uh, and I think that's just a, a really fun construct to the whole story. But then the reveal at, at the end where we think that she's dead too, uh, really surprised me as well i i didn't see that one coming uh either so yeah all, all of the stuff around her her character and, and the way the 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 timeline jumps around uh, but then we also my, have the yeah, go ahead go ahead this is reminding me of sort of two other cameos you have jared leto's uh, kabucha and uh jeremy gosh. renner's hot sauce so <laughs> yes so, oh my gosh those are both so, so funny <laughs> just like the name dropping of of real people uh yes I forgot about the Jared Leto one. That's so funny. Um, so it just, yeah. So, so much of this is just like the hypocrisy and like the ridiculousness of rich people. And, and there's a lot of fun had with that. Um, yeah, that's so great. But then I was going to mention too, this was also the time jump where we see like this group of, you know, where I can't remember the word that they use in the film, like important people. They're, they're all kind of influencers and like, um, go-getters in a way who used used to be friends back before they were significant and now they're all you know rich and famous and still are hanging out and so we there's some just some surprises as far as the timeline jumping back with them as well um so yeah it kind of kind of plays with the structure in a way that i really liked uh and then all the general monet secret identity stuff i thought worked really really well so uh yeah what other things about the ending or or spoiler 
things that you want to talk about with this one? I mean, I feel like with the first one in the trailer, it tells you Christopher Plummer is the one that dies. And this one, you mm-hmm. don't know in the trailer, but I feel like me and a lot of people I saw online just assume Edward Norton was going to be the one that dies. And then mm. when Dave Bautista starts choking and he's the one that gets murdered, that's yeah. when it's kind of really shocked me. I was like, mm. oh, okay. That's not at all what I was expecting. Yeah. that's right. So I didn't watch a trailer for this before. I I, I wanted to, I, I knew the cast, but I didn't watch any trailers. So that that's interesting. I didn't realize that that was like how they marketed it. Uh, but yeah, because I didn't, I didn't even necessarily know someone would die i assume probably someone would but for a while when no one had died at the beginning i was like maybe we're just going to get like a a heist or like some sort of a other type of mystery but then of course yeah dave bautista kicks the bucket in that scene and um some of the the commentary i like at this one is yeah again so much of it is about the, the hypocrisy of rich people like the whole thing with the mona lisa i think is really funny and then ends up being important at the end um and it and I think that that whole bit in particular is um, meaningful because, and, and I'm still kind of parsing out exactly the comment it's making, but it's I think having to do with um, art and, you know, he's, he wants to make this better world where uh, he wants to make clean energy, but it, he just like the excess and um, this kind of, the future he the future vision that he talks about that is clearly bs the whole time um it, it, at some point it's like real people and art uh, are the the byproduct or like the, the loss of uh good art is somehow the byproduct of the the excess and uh it's, i guess just capitalism in general and how it's like very much haves and have nots kind of thing um and because of his ridiculousness and hypocrisy now something beautiful has gone from the world uh, and and all of that um yeah I don't, I don't know maybe if maybe i'm rambling too much about that point but i thought that was a clever way to um bring art into the conversation of the the capitalistic stuff going on with it all um yeah well did you have anything about this film you didn't love or that didn't work for you uh not really i mean when i yeah. first saw it i was like i've seen it twice now and mm-hmm. uh when i first saw it my i always i kept saying like my one tiny nitpick was that the glass breaking scene goes on too long but then after mm-hmm. i saw it the second time it didn't go on that long for me i don't know how it was shorter that time or but yeah <laughs> so not really any, cool. anything for me yeah well let me talk about my issues okay. and they're again this is relatively minor it just it, it's enough that i like the first one more so one of the things i like so much about the first one is that it's really grounded and like um like the characters are are a little bit ridiculous but it's uh it feels like a you know real people more or less and also it's doing so much with a small budget that i just really like that and so i guess the the way to put it most easily is that this one goes so big that it just feels like a different sort of beast in a way that i which is fine and like, yay for you getting the budget and all of that. But I, I just really appreciate the smallness of the first one. I think that this doesn't have, and part part of that is some of the comedy. I think it's so it gets so silly in a way, which again is fine. It just wasn't what I 
liked from the first one. So it's a problem of my own expectations is really what it is. And I am, I have heard no one else have any problems with this movie at all. So I'm maybe completely alone on this hill, but I, I thought some of the comedy was a little silly to the point of like cartoonish. And, and a lot of that is how the rich people are being. And I said this to one friend and they were like, well, the rich people really are that ridiculous. And I was like, maybe, maybe you're right. Uh, but like, for instance, when we do finally, we get that time jump backwards to where we see them and they're, you know, they all have goofy haircuts and they're like, it almost, that felt like an Austin Powers bit or something to me in a way to, that didn't quite uh, fit in with the comedic tone of the rest of it. So that's, that's really all it is. So it's just, and I think it's, and I wonder if I would have had that reaction if I hadn't rewatched the first one, like the week before, because I was like, yeah, I really love like how, how like uh, real this feels in a way. And then the second one wasn't that, which again is fine. It's fine. It's fine. It just wasn't my favorite. Um, so I don't know if that makes any sense or if anyone out there agrees with me about it, but uh, that was my experience with it. And, and I think too, maybe knowing that expectation, like having that, that different expectation, watching it a second time, I may not have that experience at all. I may um, like it more uh, because it's just like, as I'm watching it, it's um, I get a bit jarring and like taking me out of it a bit in a way that I just like the person better. <laughs> That's all. I will say, Does that having, make any seen, sense? Yeah, go having seen it twice on a rewatch, I think it's a completely different experience on a rewatch because mm -hmm. what happens in the second and third act makes you review and re contextualize the entire first act and yeah. there's are things i missed in the first act or like like when edward norton hands dave bautista the drink i did not catch that the first time around and you're kind of just mm, yeah. you know, when you're rewatching it you're you're trying to catch the things that are right in yeah. your face but you missed on the first watch yeah yeah and that's that's really clever about it too i like that it uh it puts those things plainly in front of your face which I feel like some movies try to do that sort of thing and it doesn't always work out. I can't think of an example right now, but I just think it is really effective in doing that. Um, and just like reframing things you've already seen, uh, it, it does that really, really well. Um, yeah. I had another thought about, about the, the first time. But yeah, I think absolutely. This is one that I'm, I'm going to watch probably. Like, I think my wife will really enjoy it. So we'll watch it once it's streaming and uh, I'm sure I'll, probably like it better the second time and just in general a murder mystery is always a, a different and and kind of sometimes more fun experience on a second watch uh looking for new things so yes i'm sure that will be the case here but yeah all right uh do we have any other things we want to talk about with glass onion um i don't know i mean we didn't really talk about madeline klein or jessica henwick or leslie Owen jr or really katherine hahn yeah, yeah let's Bautista. talk about the different characters. Yeah, talk, that's talk true. about those major ones that get the majority of the screen time, but not the mm -hmm. other ones. Yeah, and so I, again, with my complaints about it, I think the the ones who felt the most cartoonish were Dave Bautista. Although I love him as a performer, um, but yeah, he's sort of this like almost alt right sort of influencer type person, and um, I, it was funny. It really was funny to me, but it wasn't. I don't know. It, it felt silly in a way, I guess. <laughs> I need to get over that hang up probably. But, um, but yeah, what did you think about his performance in it? I mean, I've seen clips of Andrew Tate online. I think that's kind of the inspiration yeah. for his character. It's maybe a it's bit more exaggerated, <laughs> exaggerated, but it's close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think 
yeah. Madeline Klein kind of gets a little bit of a nice little change up of her mm-hmm. character in the second act where she gets yeah. more no get to know more about her and the quote unquote onion pills back on her character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the line she has about well, it's good for my brand or whatever. <laughs> it's just some something which is again just like a little dig at like how messed up our weird social media capitalist society is. Um that she's selling her soul essentially and, and being on his uh show all the time. But yeah, and her character's interesting too because you initially think one thing about her when you see her with Edward Norton in that that first sequence where they're together in the bedroom. Um but yeah, then it really reframes all of that later in a way that's really clever i think too and actually that scene is one example of there's there's a lot of um moments of like paranoia feeling that that was kind of new from the first one i think where like you hear someone running and the camera almost like pans and you see some feet running but you don't really see what's happening but i think there's like five or six moments like that or you hear some rustling and a character notices it but you don't know what's going on but then maybe later you figure it out when it kind of shows things again and all of that i think added to a a sort of a tone of um, paranoia that was that was really nice with this as well yeah um yeah leslie autumn jr is good i I feel like of the 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 core characters there leslie autumn jr and katherine hans characters don't get as much to do as i wish they did Uh, katherine hans probably the the biggest example of that i because i love her and everything and we get a lot of her right at the beginning when we see her like doing an interview and everything but then I feel like, unless I'm forgetting some things, which is very possible, her character doesn't have a ton of uh, big moments after that point. I feel like Am her and Leslie Ellen Jr. are like not at, like going off of what you're describing as the characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. They're not as cartoonish as the other yeah. ones. They're not as out there. They're more down to earth. So maybe that's yeah, kind that's of true. was they don't get those sillier, mm-hmm. big, um, grand moments that other characters get yeah yeah that's true and she both of them too are like their hypocrisy is shown in the end with you know she needs him to fund the campaign i mean that's actually that's established really early on that they all are relying on his money still um and that's why they're bidding over backwards to do what they want but like she's her career would be ended if uh you know this clean energy plan doesn't work um and then him with the scientific research so yeah it's, it's a nice way to tie in all those people that are kind of on the hook with him. Um, one of the things, so oh, oh, let's, let's finish talking about the characters. But yeah, Leslie Odom Jr. is the scientist that works in the company. And and we hear, I think some of his funniest things are like at the very beginning, we hear like the whims of, of Edward Norton's character that he's had to to deal with. Um, and, you know, like he's this eccentric, crazy genius that some of these ideas really work. Um, but he's he's very good in it as well, I think. We talked a bit about Kate Hudson already, but yeah, I think she's really funny and um, sort of a self-involved uh, like beauty influencer. I think does a really nice send-up of that kind of a character. Um, yeah, and then Edward Norton, we I guess talked a, a bit about. He's Miles Braun is his character, and he's like the main offender of like being the the rich, obnoxious <laughs> person. With the we talked about Elon Musk as uh, sort of a. Uh, and, and I think what we hinted at earlier was like with all the Twitter stuff, like who could have seen that coming and being as crazy as it was. And the movie came out right alongside that uh, in a way that is really great. And so that I am excited to watch again and, and key into that more as well. Um, I was going to talk about the, the end scene where 
and this is a thing this is something that like didn't super work for me in the moment but i think on a rewatch it would be different but is when okay, it seems like all hope is lost and um there's there's nothing they can do and then daniel craig has a line about uh, he says something i can't remember exactly what but to prompt janelle monet like we're gonna break the glass and basically blow the place up <laughs> and and i thought that Honestly, I thought she was going to just kill them all. I thought that's where, <laughs> where things were going. Like, we're just going to blow this place up and and at least uh, now these this evil man's not going to get his way kind of thing. Uh, but it ends up being more more clever than that. Uh, but I think that was just another example of like how this movie was so big in a way that I kept being surprised. Like, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to have all this stuff. Um, and just like the big explosion at the end just feels like, a different movie than Knives Out again, but I'll stop. I'll get off that soapbox now. <laughs> but that was another aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, but did genuinely, uh, did you like the way it ended and, and how everything kind of tied up? Yeah, like, I mean, you wonder, like, what's Mona Lisa all about? And then the line that Janelle mm-hmm. Monet says, uh, you will now forever be mentioned in the same breath as the Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. is a yeah, great ending. That's what it, he had wished. Yeah, it yeah, feels kind of great. like the same ending as the uh, mug being like, uh, mm-hmm. "My house, my rules." Yeah, yeah, like just reframing and actually the actual wording of something. I think that's great, and I didn't think about that connection with that, but that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that I did love that. That the way she tied that up at the end was really great. Yeah, well, that's glass onion. Is there anything else we need to say about it? Uh, Jessica Hemwick's in this movie, not in it much, but she's in it. Yeah, she is. She has a small role. I thought she was good in it um, as well, but yeah, she's not given a ton to do. It's it's a large cast, and so not everyone gets like a ton of moments. But um, we'll say everyone at least gets some scene. While in the last mm-hmm. one, there is one character, uh, Jada Martell's person played Jada Martell's mother, who basically mm-hmm. gets never gets anything to do. Yeah, it's like not kind of a character forgettable almost. character in that yeah. movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's used here for at least one scene. So yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's Glass Onion. That is, if you're listening, to the day this drops, it's playing for the rest of the week in theaters, and it's going to be on Netflix. Is it on Christmas Day, Christmas Eve? Let me double check the I think exact it's the day. Twenty third. Twenty third. So a couple days before, I will verify that really quickly. When does Glass Onion hit Netflix? The answer is the 23rd. Uh, this is November 23rd. That's not right. Hold on. November 23rd is when it hit theaters. It's <laughs> when it hit theaters. Here we go. I've got to find the actual answer. It is December 23rd. Yes. Yeah. So you'll have a couple days before Christmas to to catch it on streaming. And uh, I mean, it will be there forever. It's been an interesting way they've distributed it. And I think... I've heard some frustration around that as well. Netflix not having a ton of theatrical stuff in their past, except for like awards qualifying things. And they're, so they're just doing this one week, I guess it's to drum up hype for, you know, got to see it this week and, and try to get uh, the most box office as you can out of a few days. But I, I think also I saw one, this is kind of off topic, but one kind of box office commentator saying, if we had, uh, an actual theatrical run for this the, the box office could really use it because it was like a historically bad thanksgiving weekend for for box office numbers but i think it had anyway. like almost very close to the same per theater average as no way home so yeah so like if this had gone wider it almost surely would have 
It I topped the box office. Really I think it would have outgrossed yeah. the first one. So, yeah, that was a, maybe a, not a great decision, Netflix. <laughs> but I guess it'll probably get some more subscribers, so maybe it makes business sense for for them. But anyway, Glass Onion now in theaters for a short time, and then Netflix next month. Uh, yeah, again, besides my quibbles. I think it's a good movie and I think it's a very crowd pleasing movie for sure. I think everyone's going to have a good time with it. Um, Having seen it with both a bunch of press people and then seeing Mm -hmm. it with a crowd, definitely crowd pleasing movie. Tons of laughter in my uh, public screening of it. Man, maybe I should try to go this week. I wasn't going to, but that makes me want to. I love a a, a good theater experience. But anyway, Going well, back to thank the sweatpants so joke, yeah. that plays very yeah, yeah, well with the audience because the audience just like <laughs> okay. slowly builds up laughter as everyone's catching on to the joke. <laughs> yes. Man, yeah, there's so many good jokes in this too. Like it's just, I think the joke per minute kind of like the joke to, to minute ratio is, is definitely higher than the first one in a way that I think, uh, yeah, will be a lot of fun for people. So Yes. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Jordan. I really appreciate you your time and, and your wonderful movie thoughts. And uh, we'll have to have you back. It doesn't have to be for a murder mystery, <laughs> okay. but of course you're always welcome for those as well. But uh, I guess until next time, we will talk to you later. See ya. Thank you. Thank you to Jordan for coming back on the show. It's always a pleasure talking with him. Stay tuned in the coming weeks. I'm planning to do an episode about the film Tar, and we will also wrap up our Terrence Malick series pretty soon as well, looking at the film A Hidden Life. Uh, That has been delayed and delayed, but we will return to it. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes. You can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe. You can also email me directly, andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep it snob free.